absolutely phenomenal. And um, it really is cool. We had, a, we had a moment in an elder's prayer time, and I think it was Taryn actually, that she, she, she came into the meeting saying, I feel table and feet. And I said, actually, I'm feeling feast. And Christian said, I'm feeling extravagance. I mean, it didn't come out exactly like that, but coming through the morning, that's how it came out. Hence, we have today a feast, a celebration of extravagance. It's all laid on. We're saying, God, you are to be celebrated. Your people, you are worthy. And being together, we are so grateful to be together. We're going to celebrate your goodness together. So that's what this morning this is about. How awesome is it to walk into the smell of lamb roasting? Oh my gosh. How cool is that? Anyway, if I had to ask you, when you think of the word communion or the Lord's Supper, what images does it conjure up in your mind? What are the pictures that you have in your mind? I think for most of us, including myself at, at times, I would, I would say I have images that look more like a funeral than a celebration. It's very somber. It's very quiet. And it's very about me and Jesus. It's very individualized. I want to talk to you this morning. I want to, I want to rattle your cages this morning around what the Lord's Supper was actually like how it moved from a mill to become a mass because you see friends what we're doing this morning looks a whole lot more than the, like the Lord's Supper in Jesus' day than what we do when we have a nip and a sip on a Sunday morning so I want to I talk to you about that. I want you to get excited about that. And I want you to start practicing that at your table. You see, friends, Heather spoke about the table yesterday, last week. So beautifully planned by the Lord. And you see, the table, friends, was the center of the church. The center of gravity for the church in the early church was the table and the meal. And what happened was, is we get 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul, probably the, the, the most expanded version or kind of most of the teaching around the Lord's Supper because they were doing it wrong, Paul addresses then 1 Corinthians 11. But when he talks about the Lord's Supper, what he does, he's referring back to the Last Supper. When Jesus, with his disciples, said, this is what I want you to do in remembrance of me as he broke the bread and he drank the wine. That very supper was looking back to the Passover. So the meal that Paul wants us to enjoy, that Jesus wants us to enjoy, is a meal of freedom. It's a meal where the presence of Jesus is there. And although he's not physically with us right now, his spirit is, the Holy Spirit is, and he intends for us to look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb where he will feast with us one day. You see, this meal that Jesus wanted us to remember him by was that meal of Passover on steroids. 
It was freedom. It was deliverance. It was about inheritance. It was about a celebration of freedom. It was a renewal. It was, a, it was just this incredible declaration. Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, I can be too. Because Jesus is alive, my sin is forgiven. Because Jesus is alive, God has put me into a family of love and care that is diverse in all aspects of life. Because Jesus is alive, I sit at a table and we feast together, rich and poor, young and old, black and white, and we anticipate the kingdom to come and we participate in the kingdom right now. This is what it was about. Luke chapter 22 says this, verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus was about to become the Passover lamb. Remember Passover? That was where they killed the lamb. They put the, la the, door, the, lamb of the blood of the lamb around the doorpost, and it protected them. And then they, he, God said to them, I want you to eat that lamb and I want you to put, um, get ready to travel. You eat that lamb ready and you finish the whole lamb. No bits of Jesus are left behind when we enjoy the, 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 this meal that Jesus is talking about. Passover, for I tell you I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. There's coming a day, friends, and we should be so excited about this. There's coming a day when we will physically sit and eat with Jesus. Somehow, with all of his disciples and all of his people, we're going to enjoy a feast. And somehow we're not going to get fat. I don't think. Come on, Lord. Please, lamb after lamb after lamb. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Looking forward again. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the, after the supper, after the supper, it's quite interesting. Anyway, we're going to digress. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of whom is going to betray me is with me, is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be. Isn't it incredible? The table of Jesus is so welcoming, even his enemies sit there. Unbelievable, friends. The welcome of the table of Christ, the welcome of the table of the church is everybody. Look at what it carries on to say. So you're in this significant moment. Jesus is, this is what's happening. I'm enjoying this last meal with you. You've got to use it to remember me because I'm not going to enjoy it with you. And just by the way, there's somebody here that's going to betray me. And guess what breaks out in the middle of this most significant meal of Jesus' life? Listen. Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered the greatest. Sounds like the church. 
Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, you, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You see, the Lord's Supper was the Last Supper and it was at the Last Supper where Jesus turned everything on its head because the person of importance was the one that sat at the center of the table and everybody around them. But at this table, the host gets down and washes feet. You see, this table is not only is everybody welcome to it, but it's a table of service. Hence my apron. You see, friends, I think the church has so lost the meal and it's affected every part of our, of our church thinking and building. Because if it was the meal, friends, having people in your home and breaking bread together, and we're going to see now with an, with an actual meal and acknowledging the presence of Christ and remembering what he's done for you and anticipating what he's got for you, the kingdom comes. The reason why we do small groups in this church is because we want a table feel to our family. We want a, a, meal, fa a, a meal aspect to our family where we can enjoy, we can eat each other. So much happens around the meal. I'm going to get into the six words that are used for the Lord's Supper, or the words that are used, different words that are used to try and expound that and explain that a little bit better. And what we're going to do is we're going to go and eat together, like I'm going to talk to you, and we're going to give people an opportunity to wash feet. Table and feet. Because you see, this meal was one where Jesus says, remember this, remember my blood, remember my body. And he did it completely differently. I'm so profoundly struck that this meal, one of service, one of a home, one of a table, one of the presence of Jesus, something that we do all the time is eat. And Jesus takes this thing and says, I want you to remember me when you eat. You know, friends, if we understood the meal, we would start to develop a servant-hearted culture rather than a volunteer culture. I, I, I would love to see the church with a service culture rather than a volunteer culture. Because you see, friends, we can do all sorts of things to get people to volunteer, whether it's for kids' ministry, whether it's for whatever it is.
and there's ways and we do these things and people get find belonging because they can volunteer. But friends, at the heart of the table is a servant. And when we've got a service culture, a servant-hearted culture, actually everything just happens because nothing's too much. And I play my part at that table. And friends, it's not about washing feet. It's about having a servant's heart. And God, Jesus said this, if I can do this, you've got to do it. Because if I'm the Lord that does this, how much more you, the church, that need to do this? It's powerful, eh? Friends, in the church, the minority never should be carrying the majority. The church that understands the table, the majority carries the minority. Because everybody's in around the table, playing their part at different times and at different places. Let's look at some of these words. that have been used traditionally over the years. I have got so much in my mind right now. You know, a great way to think of the Lord's table is to think of a birthday party. So you think of a birthday party, you think, well, I'm 50 years old and I'm having a birthday. Or 40 years old, I'm having a birthday. What are you doing in that moment? In that moment, you're looking back and you're celebrating your birth. And what do people say to you when they come to you? Many happy returns of the day. Looking forward. You see, in your birthday celebration, you have a moment where past and future come into the present. This is what the table's about. And when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, he does, he's, not, he's meaning do this as in have a meal in remembrance of me, not just a nip and a sip that we do on a Sunday. And I'll tell you now, you see, we, we do those things and there is a place for those things because you can't always put this on like we're doing today. So you kind of, they become symbols of the symbols. We, we kind of acknowledge that. But friends, we've got to be a church that's eating in each other's homes opening our hearts and opening our homes to receive people and enjoy the life, the resurrection life of God as though Jesus was sitting at the table with you. So, six words. First word is this, communion. So this word is the word koinonia. It comes from the word koinonia and it's, it's used a number of times in the scriptures 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, particularly, it says, is not the participation in the, it talks about participation in the blood of Christ. It talks about participation in the body of Christ. That word participation is koinonia. So this meal and all of these words are words that the church has used over history, but all of these words carry something of the meaning of what it's all about. So it's kind of just a simple way to land some of the things that this is all about. And why are we doing what we're doing? So communion is fellowship or, particip or participation or sharing. So there's this moment where we actually sit at the table of fellowship with Jesus and with each other. You'll, you'll start to hear through this process, and I, I've re I'm reading two or three books on this at the moment, and it's just profoundly mind-blowing. How much, friends, this has got to do with Jesus, 
But it's not just Jesus and you. It's Jesus and us. It's got to do with fellowship. It's got to do with sharing. It's got to do with participation. It's got to do with being with one another. It's got to do with being celebratory with each other, with each other and looking back and thanking God for what He's done. Jesus actually died on the... God intervened through the, through the blood and the body of Jesus that we could live in freedom and that we would have an inheritance... It's participation in that. It's communion with that, in that. It's fellowship with the life of Jesus. It's a place where you can invite people. It's got to be the most evangelistic place on the planet at that moment. Because when you're sitting there with Jesus with you, the Holy Spirit with you, and people are there and they don't know Jesus, and you are being Jesus followers and just being normal and natural, friends, the life of God is there. We share the life, the resurrection of God around that table. Another word is the word breaking of bread. We see that in Acts chapter 2 and Acts 20 where it says they broke bread together. It's incredible that it's not cut, it's broken. And it's got to be broken because whatever you've got, that's enough. You just share what you've got. So this is not about a fancy meal. This is just about a meal. And whatever you've got, you just break it off and you share it. It's got to do with sharing again. You'll see sharing coming through all of these words. But it's also got to do with symbolizing that Jesus' body was broken for us so that we could be whole. And so when you come to the table with your brokenness, and you break that bread, it reminds me that actually I can be whole, that I can be full, that I have got all that I need to be full and to be whole in Christ. And we get encouragement by one another around the table that that is the case. We start to remember this, is that all life comes through death. All life comes through death. Anything you eat, plant or animal, for you to be sustained with food, something had to die. Have you ever thought of that? Whether it was a thing of wheat or an animal, something had to die to sustain you so that you can eat. And it reminds you of this unbelievable thing that we live lives of dependence on the death of Jesus. We're dependent on Him. It's full of significance. And we, and we remind ourselves that we need others' sacrifice to live. It means that that wheat or whatever it was that had to be grown by a farmer, then had to be harvested by somebody, and then had to be made into a loaf of bread. There was the sacrifice of many to get to that table. And we understand not only are we thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus, but we sacrifice the sacrifice that we have with each other and for each other as we live for one another's benefit. This all happens at the table, friends. And my prayer is that, this, that we're going to get a table culture that will explode the life of God, not in the building only, but in your homes and in your hearts. 
What about the word the Eucharist? That word means thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And Jesus said, and Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. Eucharist, that's the word. You see, we understand from the word Eucharist that this is a thanksgiving meal. That we are to be grateful for everything that we have to be around that table. We're grateful for the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice and the life of Jesus. We thank, we're grateful for the love of God. We thank, we're grateful for the life of God. But we're also grateful for those around the table with us. Because we don't have to be lonely. We don't have to be on our own. We can get our arms lifted up. We're grateful for those that God has put us into relationship with. It's a moment of gratitude. A moment of deep gratitude. And as we break bread this, this afternoon or this, this morning and we go and enjoy a roll with some lamb on it or whatever it's going to be and we do it with others, we want to be grateful. It's around that table where we tell people, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for being who you are. In the midst, remember, it kind of in your mind, in my mind, I've got like Jesus sitting at the table. He's not there, but he's there. And we're just saying, we're just grateful. I, I think it warms the heart of God for a church that lives like that. What about the word, the love feast? It's used once in the New Testament, in Jude 12. And it's, uh, it's used in the context of false teachers that are messing things up. And it says there in Jude 12, it says, These men, these false teachers, are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. Defeating the whole object of the love feast. The whole point of the love feast was not about me. It was about my love for you and your love for me. These guys are in there doing, messing that whole thing up. But it was the idea of a love feast or an agape feast. It's actually used a lot by the church fathers hundreds of years ago. This, this word to describe the this meal. And what it does is it reminds us that this thing is a feast and a celebration. That this is an actual meal. It's a moment of celebration. It's a moment of God, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your love that you poured out upon us. You thank you for the love that you've given me through family and friends. Thank you for the love that I have for them. It's about love. It was a moment of big party and celebration. It was not somber. It was exciting. It was profound. It was a celebration. And what happened was, through the Middle Ages, because of specific reasons, largely because the church became a building and not a people, and everybody came to church instead of were the church. And so cathedrals were built and all those sorts of things. They left, they forgot the table. And it became this thing that you do individualistically, you and God, instead of a celebration with a group of friends and family in God. In fact, it was such a celebration that there were problems with this meal, according to Paul. People were getting drunk. And they were eating too much. This was the kind of celebration it was. This was a flowing celebration of life. 
And the center, the most important person at that meal was Jesus himself and his people celebrating that and celebrating each other. What about the word, the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper. They came, and, and, and 1 Corinthians 11 uses this, when you come together to eat the Lord's Supper. Because eating was the center of gravity of, of the church, and, and there was a thing called a covenant meal. So when you made a covenant with somebody, you would have a meal with them. A meal was an incredible place of intimacy in the early, in the early church in those days. In fact, your, your, the lavishness of your meal was more important than all your property and ownership that you had. If you really wanted to show everybody how amazing you were, you had an incredible meal. And you import, invited the important people and had amazing food on the table. But this became a covenant meal. So when you talk about the Lord's Supper, we think about covenant meal. It was this moment that Jesus made a covenant with God on our behalf so that we could have an unbreakable relationship with Jesus, with God, through his body and his blood. It's an amazing, amazing moment. And so when we think of the Lord's Supper, I think, think covenant meal. Think, think we actually this is part of the covenant that we are. It's a serious moment. Although it's a celebration, it's a serious moment. This is covenantal. It's like we actually, we, we reimagining, we, 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 we coming into this and we're remembering the covenant that we have, the unbreakable relationship that we have with God because of Jesus. Even when you're at your worst, you're still in Him. It's unbelievable. It's too good to be true. And this moment would be a moment of reenactment of that. So every time we break bread together, it's a, it's a Lord, thank you that I'm in covenant with you. Remind me of all the blessing that I have in you. Remind me of the unbreakable love that I have in you. The all-conquering love that I have in you. It's a moment of recommitment. So many people now are wanting to do renewal of vows for their weddings. In a sense, this, this meal was a renewal of the vows, a renewal of the covenant. It's like you again remember, you reset yourself. You might have gone astray. You might have gone here. If you're sitting here and you haven't been in church for years, I want to tell you there's a covenant meal that God wants to invite you into so that you can get back to the covenant that He has with you. It's a covenant meal. It's about the prodigals coming back to a meal. No matter how bad you feel, no matter how much you've messed up, if you are in Christ, you can come back to the table and let Him transform you through the covenant that is yours in Him. The table is transformational, friends. It transforms you. It transforms the city. It can transform the nations. And Paul says this, your meetings are doing more harm than good in, in, in 1 Corinthians 11. Because these people, have, the, the rich people had gone off and started eating first. Because the poor people, they stood at work. They didn't get Sundays off. The rich people start eating. By the time the poor people get there, the working class got there, the food was done and they drank. And Paul says this. He says, your meetings are doing more harm than good. That does not represent the covenant that I have with you. And that does not represent the covenant that you have with each other. You've got to learn to wait for each other. Imagine if the, if the table 
was the true table of Jesus during the days of apartheid. I'm telling you now, we wouldn't have had apartheid. Because the table is covenantal. And because I'm in covenant with him, I'm in covenant with you and with everybody else. And it doesn't matter your station in life. It doesn't matter the language you speak. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. You're welcome to the table because Jesus is at the center. And I want to say to South, I want to kind of shout out to South Africa. South African church, get back to the table. Get back to the table and share a meal and share the life of God and share the resurrection power of God and break the bread together. And drink the, drink the wine together. And celebrate together. Because your, your unity, your oneness is far greater than your difference. Because Jesus is what makes you one. And He's more powerful. And He's more profound. And He's more loving and more generous and more kind than what you can ever imagine. Get to the table. And lastly, there's the word the mass. This is the only one of those, the first five aren't in the, are in the Scriptures. The Mass isn't in the Scriptures. And this came to be in the Middle Ages. And what they would say at the end of the meal, or the covenants, the, cover, the, the, the breaking of bread, they'd, they'd utter this Latin phrase, Ita missa est. Ita missa est. And that got shortened to Mass. You know what ita missa est means? It means this. Go, you are sent out. You see, friends, when you come to the table, you gather at the table, but the table sends you to take that same love that you found at the table to your neighbors and family out there. When we break bread to the, when we break bread in a meal, in a festival, there's going to be music playing. There's going to be the smell of lamb. There's going to be kids playing. And we're going to sit with each other and we're going to thank God for each other. And then we're going to go from this place empowered by the life of God, filled by the Holy Spirit, out into the world to take this love to this nation that needs it and to the nations of the world. Yo, I've got so much here, I'm not going to go there. But I think you've got the gist of it. I think you've got the gist of it. Friends, open your homes. You know, you know we do home groups and small groups and our groups and all sorts of small things. But you know what a home group actually is? It's a meal. There's no pressure to preach. There's no pressure to sing songs. You sit and you talk with Jesus at the head. His blood spilled for you so you can be together and you release the life of God. That's home group. Get into one if you're not. That, that place is a place where your love for each other, you serve one another. You and you say how much you love. You, you you do this intentionally. You prophesy over one another. It's the table. And so when we do have a moment, I mean, those little things that we had at one stage, those little things with the horrible juice and the little wafer inside when we were in lockdown. I mean, oh God, please help us. 
it's COVID and we're trying to do stuff and it's just like the juice, I'm thinking it's going to kill me, that juice. Either kill me or pres it's either going to kill me or preserve me, one of the two. But please understand, when we do that, and even when we do a little a, a, a thing and a, and a cracker, that's the symbol of the symbol of the meal, which is the symbol of Christ. So it doesn't mean we can't do that. It's, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying part of us being a church is we've got to be doing that in our homes. And we've got to be having moments like this where we just come together and we just eat. And we celebrate the life of God. And we serve one another. Friends, if we understand the, the, the table... The way we think of church changes. The church. Remember, the church is not the building. The church is you and me. And we come together in moments like this and we celebrate his name. But we gather together in homes around tables and we invite friends and family to enjoy the life of God that's around your table. And let that minister to them. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to go and do that. It's going to be fun, it's going to be celebratory, but it's going to be serious. Can we do all those things together at the same time? We're going to be intentionally making Jesus the center of our conversation. And we're going to be laughing, and we're going to be telling stories, and we're going to be talking about Jesus, and we're going to be talking about the rugby or the soccer or whatever else it is, because it's all of life. But Jesus is at the center. And what we're also going to do is we're going to give people an opportunity to wash other people's feet, to serve them. Please understand, washing of feet is about service. If the Lord serves, why can we not? Friends, we at, I mean, these guys are looking for people to minister for kids' ministry. Friends, we've got hundreds of kids here. We should not have an issue if you understand the table. Servant culture, not volunteer. We're not volunteers. We're here to serve. And this is a symbol of serving. I want to invite you to take these buckets and if you feel like you want to honor somebody or speak over somebody or wash their feet, do it. It's not going to be planned. It's just going to be left to you and what you want to do prophetically. And then we're going to eat together in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.